0: You're listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast.
1: I love to run, period. You can always run faster. Forever, you're
2: going to feel something. You're going to run into roadblocks, but that's also going to teach you how to handle things in life.
0: I don't think we want to be like rocks where we're not affected by anything. It's not maybe a physical thing, but it's a mental thing. There's like two voices in me, alpha and beta.
2: Really trying to do is just keep moving forward. Every single runner knows what that means. My life has a purpose, and maybe it's not what I thought it was going to be.
1: But there were times when I didn't think I would be able to come back. There's a lot of people that have different gifts, and they don't use it. I think if we all use our gifts, we could do something really special—not for ourselves, but for our family. If we're really
0: good, we could do something for our community wherever we 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 live hey what's up everyone it's your host mario fraoli we are back with a new episode of the morning shakeout podcast joining me to set this one up is my right hand man chris douglas chris welcome back to the mics thanks for having me I'm pretty stoked
1: about the conversation we have this week with Simon Freeman. He's a frequent guest of the show. This is the fourth time or fourth or fifth time he's been
0: on. I think this is our, yeah, fourth or fifth. I'd have to look that up. But for the uninitiated, we are doing a quarterly (laughs) conversation this year with Simon Freeman, who is the co-founder and editor of Like the Wind magazine, which is my favorite running magazine. You should definitely check it out. If you haven't already, I've had him on the show to talk about his background and how he started Like the Wind, but this year we decided to give something a try. So every quarter, which is the frequency with which their magazine comes out, um, he and I have a conversation about a particular... Topic, And this is our third one for this year, so definitely go back and check out the the previous two. But we have a conversation, we record it, Uh, it gets transcribed, an excerpt of that transcription ends up in the magazine. So Mm -hmm. I believe it's issue 37 of Like the Wind comes out right at the beginning of September here. So right around the corner after this episode is released, and my contribution to it is based on the conversation that you are about to hear between me and Simon Freeman.
1: Yeah, I mean, my one uh, my one complaint about these conversations is that they're too short. <laughs> I always feel like it's like, oh wait, that's it. We could these these feel like they could just go on and on. I mean, in this conversation, I think one of the things that I found really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was interesting, but the idea of how do runners define themselves? Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of how you started off. Are you a marathoner? Or are you a miler? Or are you a cross country person? And I think. I guess I don't spend that much time thinking about of my of myself of what type of runner I am because I do a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah. it's, 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 uh, I'm curious, like when, when Simon is asking you that question, how are you identifying yourself as? Yeah.
0: Well, it should be said that you are a very special bird. Um, not only <laughs> rare are, bird. Not only are you a runner, yes, you are a very rare bird. I mean, you know, we talked about on the last episode of the podcast, your, you know, your swim run adventures, which, as is, is you call it, is like basically amphibious, amphibious, <laughs> tra- amphibious trail running uh, type of thing. So, um, yeah, you don't count. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, it's interesting. I just, I mean, this is, this is partly why we had the conversation, because for me, I've always just identified as a runner. But. In my experience as an athlete, as a coach, as someone who's been involved at various levels of this industry for a long time, people say, well, I'm a marathoner, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Uh, Or I'm a trail runner, and that's it. Or I'm an ultra runner, and and that's it. And I've always just, like, really been, like, fascinated by it. I mean, going back to my days in specialty running, I'd have people come in, they say – Uh, I run a few days a week, but I'm not a runner. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. So, like, I've always just, I mean, maybe this is the philosophy major in me. I've always just thought about this. I'm like, this is, like, super interesting how people choose to define themselves, identify themselves. And Simon and I had a great conversation about that.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think um, another part of this conversation that was really interesting for me was the idea of switching up stimulus as something that's both good for your body, but also good for your mind. Yeah, And I think... A lot of runners probably think of it in terms of like, oh, yeah, recovery, you got to switch it up so that your body can heal and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot to be said about sort of the mental element of switching adaptation and jumping on the trails or doing yeah. something different just just for, you know,
0: for that. Yeah. And this is one of the points that I wanted to try to drive home because I see this all the time, especially as a coach. I mean, just going back to my days running in high school, in college, I had teammates that was their entryway into the sport. They were really, really into it. And then once they graduated from high school or college and they didn't carry on with the running career, it was over. I, I mean, they're like, well, what do I, what do I do this for? Like, if I'm not going to train to race or be a part of a team, which is, which is fine. And now as a coach with many of the age group athletes that I work with, we'll see burnout from time to time. You know, the person who runs, you know, two marathons a year, usually the same two marathons a year, or they define themselves as an ultra runner. So if they don't run the same races every year, they're always doing something that goes beyond ultra. And like, I found just to keep things fresh and exciting. um, If you ever find yourself, in that position where you're just feeling a little bit fried or stale maybe is a is a better word on whatever it is that you're you're doing or you typically do or you're good at um there's so many other things that you that you could do which you know you may not be good at but will provide a novel stimulus and show you another side of of running and re-energize you re-excite you in in a way and you know i've done that with many of my athletes especially those who focus on longer distances It's like, hey, I know you love running on the trails and doing ultra races. Let's train for a half marathon on the roads. And it's going to be, you know, in a lot of ways very different from what you're used to. But it's going to help you to, yeah, advance your fitness level. But you're also going to learn some new things about yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of community, different vibe. And, you know, you may like one over the other, but it's good to, like, expose yourself to some of those things. I mean, I tell my track friends all the time, like, when UTMB is on, watch it. You know, yeah, it's got an amazing like live feed. Just watch it; it's like a total spectacle. And the same thing, like my ultra runner friends, um, as we're having this conversation, the world championships are going on. I'm like, watch the world championships. You know, find one of the feeds, watch the 1500 meter final, watch the steeplechase chase heats, watch the 800, watch mm-hmm. the sprints, watch the, um, I mean, this isn't running, but watch the field events type of thing, and just see this other side of of the sport. Because I think many of us identify as one thing, and we live in that silo, and we don't know anything else. And one, I think that's just kind of sad, but two, I think people, especially those who are training for longer races can burn themselves out with that approach.
1: For sure. And I think, um, you know, I'm going to channel, previous guest of the show and f- friend of ours, Steve Magnus, who mm-hmm. one of the things he says, it's, you know, it's, it's actually really good for you to do something you're not good at and get out of your comfort zone just to kind of reinvigorate everything that's going on. So, so yeah, I think that advice is super well taken. I think, uh, the last thing to talk about before we kick it to the sponsors is <laughs> I found it really interesting, the conversation about when you take an elite athlete sort of out of their, uh, like out of their element and expect that they're going to crush in any setting. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, I've seen that firsthand, uh, years ago when Rock. And Roll used to still do prize money. Rock and roll San Jose was happening. And the week after, one of my former clients, uh, Brazen Racing, was having their sort of ultra trail half championship Mm -hmm. where they had a prize purse. The winner would get a thousand bucks. So you'd have all these guys show up having just raced either, I think it might have been the day before. And just thinking, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll show up and win this half, no problem. And, like, four of the five guys, I think three were Ethiopian and one was, like, some they all DNF'd Mm -hmm. because it was just, this thing is a, you know, it's a...
0: It's a different sport. It's
1: a half marathon with, like, 4,000 feet of climbing on trails. It was was sad. Yeah,
0: it's a completely (laughs) different sport. And, I mean, I I shake my head. I, I don't even bother, like, jumping in those conversations anymore. But the people who look at trail and ultra running specifically, and they're like, well, you know, I'm just going to use this as a out-of-left-field example. If, if Kipchoge decided yeah. that he wanted to race a 50K on the trails, so he would crush everybody. And it's like, well, if it was like a flat, groomed <laughs> trail that wasn't very technical, he very well may. But if you put him in a race like Speed Goat, that's going to require, like... I don't know poles and yeah. very techy type of terrain. I guarantee you that he won't because he's very good at doing one very specific type of thing, and that is running very fast over marathon distance, primarily on the roads. It's not a direct sure. translation. I mean, you need new skills to do that. Same thing. I mean, look at someone like Killian Jornet, who's, mm-hmm. ob- I mean, arguably the the greatest um, mountain athlete runner of all time. I mean, just just incredible. I mean, and he... When I had him on my podcast, I think it was about two years ago. Now, I mean, he talked about training for flatter stuff and how challenging that was and how different it was on his body. And he did jump in some road ten k's, and I thought he did great for someone all who, considered is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, going to do something that's that's not his specialty. But he got his clock cleaned, you know, by sure. all of these um, all of these track athletes who specialize in that sort of thing. So, you know, no matter which direction you're going, it's definitely not a direct translation. But I think right, my point being here is. I think it helps people to appreciate how hard these sports are, how diverse they are, how different they really are, how some skills do carry over, but not all, you know, not all do. Um, and I mean, that's been one of the through lines I think of, of my work since I started the newsletter in 2015 is to really, cause I'm interested in every facet of, of running, but I want to show my readers and then listeners of this podcast by the various guests that I've had. It's like, um, everyone's experience can be, and is a a bit different. I mean, there are commonalities and I want to show those too, but like, Hey, listen to this ultra athlete talk about how they got into the sport and why they do it. Oh, ultra fans, listen to this track athlete talk about why they enjoy being in those high pressure environments all the time. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's good to just diversify your, you know, your interest and your exposure
1: definitely definitely well I think we've uh, teed this up pretty pretty well should we shout out our sponsors
0: yeah let's shout out the sponsors that make this podcast possible first are my longtime partners at tracksmith I'm super excited for tracksmith's partnership because they help keep this ship afloat uh, and have kept this ship afloat for the past few years but today I'm going to talk about their cross country collection, which just got released. And I'm super excited about this because cross country is my first love. It is my favorite discipline of running and they have a collection of apparel that is dedicated to just recognizing and celebrating what I think is the purest form of competitive running that exists. So, the cross country collection by Tracksmith is available now. They've refreshed a lot of their staples in the Van Cortlandt line, but they also have the Brighton base layer as part of this collection and that is one of I think both of our oh, yeah. favorite pieces and they have a short sleeve version of this and they have a long sleeve version of this and they're very versatile pieces they're made from a merino wool blend they serve as great base layers um Mm -hmm. under a jacket or another shirt but they're also amazing on their own and they wick moisture really well they regulate temperature really well and my favorite part is they don't smell because of that merino blend and i am a smelly sweater uh (laughs) sorry i just asked my wife she, she tells me every time i come in the house but when i wear that shirt I am not the smelly sweater because whatever magical properties that Merino wool blend has, uh, it helps to keep the stench off. Uh, and I just think it's a great piece of apparel. Definitely, definitely. And it's
1: lacrosse season starting up for you here in a couple weeks or Yeah,
0: so we're having this conversation late August. I think I'm going to open up my season here locally in the Bay Area the second weekend of September, and then it'll be full on till nationals hopefully in December in Tallahassee, nice. Florida. So, I mean, that'll be October like basically a 3 month, 3 month season. Awesome. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So, for anyone listening to this, um, if you want to check out the Brighton Base Layer or the Cross Country collection, you can do that at tracksmith.com slash Mario. And if you buy anything, I've got a couple codes for you. If you are a new tracksmith customer, you wanna Try out a piece of their apparel for the first time. You've never bought anything from them. Use the code MARIONEW, that's M-A-R-I-O, and then capital N, capital E, capital W, and you'll save $15 off your first purchase of $75 bucks or more. If you are a returning Tracksmith customer, you can use the code Mario Give. so that's M-A-R-I-O, and then capital G, capital I, capital V, capital E, and... You don't have to do anything, but you'll get free shipping on your order, and 5% of your purchase will go to support the Friendly House in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is an organization that is near and dear to me. I practically grew up there. I went there for after-school program, played bitty basketball. I spent my summers there. It's in the heart of the city of Worcester, Massachusetts, where I grew up. They do a lot for the community there, and I'm just like thrilled and honored that 5% of all purchases using that code MarioGive go to support the Friendly House
1: it's a great thing it's a great thing up next
0: we have gooder best sunglasses in the game also i think the most affordable performance sunglasses in the game um i mean we've talked about this many a time now my favorite style are The OGs. I don't really deviate from that, but they have other amazing styles and colors. I mean, I stick to Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble, um, and a ginger soul is my two favorite colors, basically black and blue. Uh, I'm a pretty simple, basic guy. One uh, day, Mario. One it's day. It's not going to happen, but <laughs> if you go to Gooder.com slash Mario, that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash M-A-R-I-O, Use the code Mario15 at checkout. That's Mario15 at checkout. You'll get free shipping on your order. These are great sunglasses. I wear them running to walk the dog. I drive in the car. Um, basically anything that I'm doing outside here in sunny California, I have those on my face. They're super versatile. Most pairs are 25 to 35 bucks a piece. And if you use that code Mario15, when you check out at gooder.com, you will get free shipping on your purchase. With that, let's get to
1: this week's conversation with the one and only Simon Freeman.
2: Mario, we're back again. And as we have communicated in advance of this call, uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about. I've been thinking a lot about types of running, types of runners and um and i had a question and i was going to ask you and see whether that takes us which is do you think that the the sort of the terrain that somebody runs on defines the type of runner they are you know like people say i'm a trail runner or i'm a track athlete or i'm a road runner like more so than for example the distance that they run or their or their level of competence that was going to be my question yeah
0: it's a good one to start off with i think it goes in a couple different directions because you do have people who define themselves by the distance. I'm an ultra runner. I'm a marathoner. Um, th- those are the two biggest ones. I think uh, some people might say I'm a road racer. I'm a cross country runner, that, that type of thing. But we also have the the trail runner, which can overlap with the, the ultra runner, or like I just said, the, the road runner, maybe that's someone who's doing 5k, 10ks. But I do think in general, runners sometimes intentionally other times not tend to identify themselves in a certain way and keep themselves in that silo
2: yeah i it's really interesting because I, you know i agree with you so like someone might say i'm a sprinter yeah um i think you assume if someone says i'm a sprinter that they're sprinting on the track right but somebody could mm-hmm. say i'm an ultra marathoner and actually exclusively run Twenty-four hour track races, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, but it's interesting because I this is one of those sort of stupid humble brag moments. But I've just come back from Kenya, and um, the people that I was meeting there, the athletes I was meeting there are, are ex, almost ex, well, no, they are exclusively track or road athletes, and and the, and the vast majority that I met were road run road athletes, marathoners. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the running they're doing. Probably be defined as trail running, like the roads and and where where they run through the forests is like like it's you know trail running. And the, the conversation didn't like nobody seemed to be saying I'm a X type of right. Runner. They're just they're just they're just all runners right. And I was thinking, is it like this definition, this defining oneself? Because I always talk about myself as like, well, I'm a marathon runner. Really, I'm I'm a big fan of big city road marathons, that's, that's what I loved doing. And it's what I would love to get back to doing. Um, but I've run plenty of track races badly and ultra marathon, you know, trail (laughs) races badly. Um, but I always define myself as one thing. Do you you think that there's a, it's only the sort of mere mortals who end up defining themselves and more than elite athletes don't make the same sort of definition or, um, or care.
0: I think there's some truth to that. I think it depends on your entry point into the sport. So I'll speak for myself off the top here. I started running in high school and I began running cross country to keep in shape for basketball. And then I was on the track team and then I continued with that through college. And then after college, I started racing a bit on the roads 8K, 10K, half marathon, eventually moved up to the marathon, I always just called myself a runner. And I ran on roads, I ran on trails, I ran on the track, but I never called myself a trail runner. It wasn't until I moved to the Bay Area in 2014, beginning of 2014, when this really came into my consciousness. So when we moved here, I didn't know anyone. I was told to go up to San Francisco Running Company because they had a great Saturday group run, which they do. And they ran on the trails of the Marin Headlands, which is a lot of dirt fire roads, but some dirt single track. We call it California carpet here because it's relatively non-technical. And most all of those athletes define themselves as trail or ultra runners. And they would ask me, like, have you done any trail running? And I said, well, I've, I've run on trails since high school, but it was just where I, I ran. I had these trails near my house and I would go do distance runs on them. But they defined themselves as trail runners or as ultra runners. And oftentimes those two things got conflated. But I also learned that many of them, not all, but many of them, that was their entry point into running. Maybe they played some other sport when they were younger. Maybe they did nothing at all. But their entry point into running was a trail race and or an ultra distance race. And That became their community and that's how they learned to define themselves. And I just started like scratching my head a bit. And then fast forward a few years later, um, some of the athletes I work with in a coaching capacity started to talk about themselves as marathoners. And I was like, well, why do you you use that word? Like, yes, you race marathons, but you also race half marathons and I encourage you to race 10Ks and cross country. Like, to me, you're just a runner. Like, why do you define yourself as a, a marathoner? But maybe to your point, people have an affinity for an event or feel a connection to a specific discipline of runner and feels like that best defines them. So that becomes their, you know, their primary identity, but it also creates some confusion, I think.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I was thinking, you know, from my personal, from my point of view, when I started running, I ran exclusively on the roads. Uh, No, that's not true. Uh, Most of my running was on the roads because I lived in central London And I would run in parks occasionally, but I'd almost always stick to the tarmac paths. Um, I don't know why, because I was an idiot. And and I was thinking about this in terms of when I considered myself competing, I competed in marathons and half marathons on the road. When I ran on the trails or ran on the track, it was training Mm -hmm. for trying to compete in a marathon or a half marathon. I mean, compete with myself primarily to, to lower my PB. Like I didn't do track races except for my coach saying to me, look, that would be a good workout in preparation. So I used to go and do track races, but I wasn't, I just used to see it as like, it's a good workout for my. It was a means to an end. Yeah. Lower my marathon PB. It wasn't an end in itself. Exactly that. And I'd run on the trails because again, my coach would say, "Look, it's better for your knees if you can do distance on something that's a bit soft exactly. and a bit, a bit." But I didn't compete as a, as a trail runner. Even if I did a race, it was just a it was just training. It was like training for the marathon. Um And I, and I think, and I'm kind of happy to admit, uh, what a sad sado I am. I think the reason I would say I'm a marathoner is because I I wanted people to ask me about my marathon times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair, that's probably where you, I mean you feel the most comfortable and probably where you're the most competent and where you've had the most success, so there's something to yeah. talk about there, right? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like a lot of trail and ultra runners they have never raced a marathon or maybe they have, and you know they're not impressed with their time. I don't think anyone else would be, but you know they ran around Mont Blanc um, or you know scaled some huge peak, and that just sounds way more impressive i mean there's there's probably something probably something to that um for a lot of people i would think
2: well okay what about this other theory then which is that we as slightly when i say we maybe less so you and i but runners are kind of fed this idea by shoe by by brands who are selling specific shoes for a specific Purpose, right? I mean, I, I didn't run early enough in my life, and, and I'm not quite old enough to remember, you know, running in the 50s and 60s. But I, I get the sense that people just had a pair of running shoes, <laughs> they right. did it like everything. They might have a pair of track spikes, and then a pair of shoes for everything else. But but it's quite interesting now, isn't it? How yeah, you, you, I was looking at a website today for a brand, and you get taken down a route of like you click on running and the drop down menu is well what are you doing are you doing trail road or track you know like, okay so you're being funneled down this sort of route
0: yeah well i'm not that old i started running in the mid to late 1990s and my first practice that i ever went to i ran in my basketball shoes because that's all i had and the coach said to me, "Those probably aren't going to be the most comfortable option. You should get a pair of running shoes." And I remember my my first pair of running shoes were a pair of Adidas Oswego. I'll never forget <laughs> that. And that was all I ran in. I, I for probably the first two years. I mean, I trained in them. I raced in them. I ran on pavement. I ran on grass. I ran on dirt. I ran on the track. I, that that's all I had. And then mm. as I improved, as a runner and I started just looking around, especially when I raced on the track, I'm like, oh, people are wearing spikes here on the track. They give you a little extra traction. They're a bit lighter. Um, they're going to help improve your performance. Okay. I, you know, I need those. And I think there's some, some truth to that. I mean, it's like a bag of golf clubs, right? Like you have different clubs for different types of shots. I do think there is some utility and practicality and value in having, you know, just say shoes, different types of shoes for different types of terrain but i mean even now where i mean if i if i look back over the last 10 years i've I've literally raced everything from 100 meters on the track to 50 miles on the trails and even today um i do a lot of my miles on the roads i do a lot of miles on the trail i'll do workouts on the track i might put on a lighter pair of shoes for the track but if i'm on the trails especially the ones around here i just i wear my new balance 1080 trainers um the trails that I I run on, and this is oh, this is really going to go down a, a, a bunch of different paths. But you know, the trails that I run on aren't that technical. Um, they're they're dirt, and some of them are are single track, and occasionally I have to I'll have to jump over a root or you know go through a rocky section. But you know, they're they're fine. I don't need a special pair of of trail shoes for that necessarily. And I've had people who maybe see a photo that I post on Strava or are familiar with where I live in the lake, well, those, that's just a dirt road. Those aren't real trails. <laughs> and, and then it becomes <laughs> this other discussion of like, well, what's a, tra- what's a trail. I mean, I hear you describing like the athletes in Kenya, um, yeah, those are, those are maybe dirt roads, but they could be trail too. I mean, I've spent a lot of time around elite athletes. When I lived in San Diego, I'd get together with Meb Kofleski pretty regularly toward the end of his career. I mean, he did probably 90% of his miles on dirt or on trail. It wasn't technical stuff, and he never raced on that. But to your point earlier, it was easier on his body. But I know a lot of true trail runners who would look at that and they'd be like, that's just that's just dirt that's not a, a trail and it's like almost like that has its own specific definition so anyway it, it's a whole like kind of weird uh weird world i think
2: yeah What well, my, my first when i was a kid when i was like at school i got a pair of high-tech trainers mm-hmm. I did literally what you just said i did everything in them. i played football in them cycling in them. i mean we used to do we used to do athletics you know track and field so you'd be running on a grass track laid out in the school fields um you know li- literally did everything in those shoes now i'll sort of stand outside the front door for 5 minutes considering which <laughs> pair of shoes i need for the very specific run that i'm about to go on yeah um I'm half joking, but... Uh, well, but no, you're not, because
0: you and I are both pretty <laughs> spoiled working in this industry and yeah. in that we have relationships yeah. with shoe brands. So, I mean, speaking for us, we definitely have more at our disposal than than the average person. And And again, like... Yeah, there are instances where you want a specific type of shoe for a specific type of run. I mean, I go to the track, I like something lower to the ground and lightweight, I'm going to race on the roads. I, yeah, I want to wear my carbon-plated super shoe because I want to maximize, you know, performance. But, um, you know, we, the truth is we, in practicalities terms, we probably don't need all that much.
2: No, it, um, I couldn't agree more. I could, I mean, and you and I are, yeah, as you say, we're a spoil. Um, sometimes feel a bit like the Imelda Marcos of running shoes. <laughs> Yeah, our next door neighbour's got a very, very charming young daughter who came out the other day as I was getting ready for a run and said in her beautiful French, "Why do you need so many pairs of shoes?" <laughs> I just said, "Well, That's a valid question. Different, different conditions." Child, <laughs> put my headphones in and shot out the door. Let's. Um, um, I, I wanted to. I wanted to sort of. I, what I love about having these conversations is that there's you, you've got a. There's, there's many things that you have about you that I that I don't, but one of them um which I find fascinating is your coaching experience. So I was going to ask you about, given that we've established that, that people will define themselves, yeah, whether that's right or wrong. I, I mean as a coach, how do you like how do how do you navigate that with a, with a runner like do you do do you ask them or, or do you try and dissuade them from necessarily kind of defining themselves too much? I mean, how does it work? It's a good question. I don't
0: know that I am that upfront about it in terms of how they define themselves, but in the way that I think about their progression as an athlete, whether they're training for a marathon or they're training for an ultra race, or they're focused on something shorter, I want to make sure that more than anything else that they are a well-rounded athlete because I believe, and I've experienced myself as an athlete and I've coached enough athletes that I've seen this play out over and over and over again. When I can help, that athlete become a little more robust and expose them to different types of of running, different types of terrain, different distances, different types of intensities. Um, it helps them improve across the board. So if their primary focus is on being a marathoner, for example, I mean, a lot of marathoners will run two marathons a year. Oftentimes, they'll run the same two marathons a year. Mm-hmm. And if you look at mm-hmm. their training, the four to six months leading up to each marathon looks pretty consistent. And and at some point. Like you're going to you're going to stagnate. Um, but they think because they're a marathoner, that's what they have to do. They've always got to keep this big volume base underneath them. They've got to do the long runs. They've got to do the marathon specific stuff. And it's like that's going to get you so far, but eventually you're going to plateau. So oftentimes, what I'll do with an athlete as subtly as I I can, because I do think people hold on to their identity, is I'll say, Hey, how about we don't run a marathon next spring? And we focus on improving your 5K, 10K PRs. We'll do some track races, some shorter road races, that type of thing. And at first they're usually resistant. And yeah. like, oh, yeah. well, but no, oh, I'm yeah. a I'm a I'm a I'm a marathoner. I'm gonna suck at the 5K, 10K. Well, yeah, you might actually uh, at first, but you can improve. And by by doing so, one, I think that's going to get you out of this, I call it marathon rut that a lot of people end up in when they've been doing cycle after cycle, um, back-to-back-to-back type of thing. But it's also going to help you eventually become a better marathoner when you go back to it. It's also going to help you to go back to training for a marathon with a new set of of tools and skills that are going to take you to that next level. And it can also just like psychologically be really refreshing to get out of your comfort zone, number one, like like literal and imagined comfort zone. you can race a little bit more frequently. I mean, most people, unless you're Michael Wardian or someone similar, like you're not going to race a marathon every weekend or two a month. I mean, most people do two a year. Some people will do like, you know, three, but even that's, you know, even that's a lot, but 5k, 10k racing, you can do it almost every weekend or every other weekend and develop your racing skills and bring down your thresholds, like all of those types of things. And like, when I've done that with people, it opens their eyes to the possibility that, oh, all right, maybe the marathon is my best event. That's what I'll tell people about when I go to the the cocktail party, but it's actually good for me to not be a marathoner for part of the year and to get on the track a little more often and to race other distances because it it helps me to improve. you know on on the other end, I've had people who um, get stale with the marathon. They like the distance stuff. They want to be less attached to the watch and they'll move up to ultra distance training and racing and it's it's different in that the environment can be different you know there's less pressure to be hitting splits like you know we would if we're trying to break a three-hour marathon or whatever you know it happens to be but oftentimes just by breaking themselves from that it helps them to not define themselves so much by the time I'm a three-hour marathoner so we we break through that barrier but just the the training and racing in different environments helps them physically just get like a lot stronger um, because, you know, marathon training is just so straightforward and so repetitive. And I've seen people like actually then come back to the marathon because they're stronger and proven in that way. So, I mean, I try to, in my coaching, not allow people to pigeonhole themselves into one thing. And at least for part of the year to explore something that is out of their comfort zone or not directly related to, you know, the event that they want to be their best in. And um, more often than not, it helps them to stay excited for longer periods of time. It helps them to develop new skills. It actually keeps them healthier and um, injured less than if they're just doing the same thing, you know, over and over and over again. And I do think it helps them to, again, like not pigeonhole and define themselves so much as this like one thing. Or this one type of runner?
2: I, I I love that. When I was coached, my coach said to me, "I, I want you to come and do this race, the, the Watford Open, three thousand meters on the track." And it was. It, I, I think he did it because he wanted me to try and develop some top end speed, and and mm-hmm. there was there was a, like a physiological yeah ch- thing that exactly. he was trying to achieve. I suspect there was also a slight ego thing because <laughs> I was being passed by like teenage girls towards the end of this 3000 meters. Like I was in, in so much pain. It was, uh, and and I, and I said to him afterwards, that was the worst thing I've ever done. And he was like, "Mm -hmm. "Good."
0: (laughs) I've had many a similar conversation with my own athletes where they say that was the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I, and I, and I will retort to them. That is the best thing you could have done for yourself then.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do it again. Please don't make me do it again next week back here another 3000 meters on the track.
0: Oh. Well, uh, just the last thing I'll, I'll I'll say just on this specific topic. I mean, I can't tell you the number of 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 marathoners but certainly ultra runners who, you know, it's all about like let's let's go let's go longer, let's chase something more epic and I'll be like how about race a 5k and they'd be like I'd rather you like flay me open with a box cutter type of thing. Um, you know, it's like that. That's what it
2: feels like. Yeah. That's what it felt like.
0: Yeah. It's like they, they'd rather, you know, go spend uh, eight hours on on the trails than 15 to 20 minutes uh, at max intensity trying to see what they can do for 5,000 meters, which I, I've always yeah. just gotten a kick out of.
2: It, you're, you've you also, though, like, I just want to probe this a little bit further as well, but because you coach some very very high level athletes so in 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 that case like is there a point i i I know you're the kind of person that doesn't like rank your athletes but is there a point with an athlete where you say well actually i'm not going to make this this suggestion that you 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 do compete or, or on different terrains um because actually that person needs to train so specifically for something they're doing. I mean, you, you you coach a bunch of people who are professional athletes, right? Yes, correct.
0: It depends on on certainly who who they are. But also when we have those conversations at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the season, especially with the longer races, because you have to sign up for them so far in advance, you know, what is a priority, you know, for them? So, I mean, someone's not going to come to me and say, I'm going to run the UTMB in two weeks. Um, you know, we usually know that uh, at least six months out, if not a lot longer than that. So we can say like, okay, like we know we've got this thing at the end of August that is going to be your focus for the summer and you really want to knock it out of the park there. And, you know, this is someone who is at home in the mountains and is very comfortable in that type of environment and could do well, you know, in in that type of race. Um, maybe we'll do something different very early on in the year focus on some shorter distances for a little while but usually you know the three to four months leading up to you know a key event like yeah we're going to do things as specifically as possible to help them get ready to go around that mountain i don't know if that answers your your question
2: no yeah no no absolutely absolutely it's just it's interesting when i think there's probably and i don't know where it is and i'm not a coach so i have i'm 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 basically blowing smoke rings at this point, but it feels as though there's a differentiation between somebody who is trying to win races or podium, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to make a living as a professional athlete. And for them, they're probably a level of specificity that's required in their training in order to perform at whatever they are chosen, whether it's the marathon or, or, or ultra trail ultras or, you know, 1500 meters on the track. But I get the sense from what you're saying, for, for, for most people, for most of the rest of us, actually, a little bit of variety is 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 good physically and mentally. Um, so yeah, I was just trying to establish yes. where that is, where that line is.
0: Yes, but I also think for for the rest of us who are not elite or not professional, I mean, the biggest thing that I see is people just get caught in this cycle of doing the same things year in and year out. And because of that, there's no variety in the program. And they also don't even know, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but it's true. They don't know what their priority is. They're just doing this race because they do it every year. So I try to just be very upfront with people and say, what is it that you want to do? You want, okay. You want to run a personal best in, the marathon, well, I think you're better suited to do that 12 months from now rather than six months from now. And here's why. Because over the next six months, we can work on developing your speed, your 5K, 10K PR, getting those things down. So when you go into that marathon cycle, you're already starting at a much higher base level of fitness than you ever have in the past. And that's going to set you up well for the possibility of going after a personal best, that type of thing. So I'll I'll do that you know, with an age group athlete, but I'll also do that with some of my elite athletes as well. Um, so it, you know, it just it just depends. But I think it comes down to knowing like what your priorities are, when those when those things are, and then stepping back. And like, you know, I often work backwards when I'm developing training, but it's like, okay, well, you know, you you can spend the three to four months leading up to that key event training very specifically for it but you know before that like let's do let's focus on something different you know and maybe that's developing speed maybe that's developing endurance um you know maybe that's just getting stronger as an athlete but i think the biggest thing is just complacency and trying to avoid that because i think a lot of runners knowingly or not become complacent and they're just in the same cycle you know every spring every fall year in year out and and that's where you're going to to certainly like plateau from a performance perspective but that's also when i see people just getting stale and burned out you know on on the sport you know it becomes a slog so it's like hey let's switch up the stimulus you know let's do something a little bit different let's we can get some like physiological changes out of that too but like let's like that psychological spark as well and like you know just get you fired up to you know, to, to push yourself in a different way, do something different rather than the same old, same old
2: over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Changing the, changing the, the tax slightly. So, so earlier today, um, Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to talk to an athlete, a lady called Kate Avery um, for a piece in the next issue of like the wind. And um, Kate's a British athlete. For people that don't know, she's a she's a British athlete. She had a she had a pretty sterling career on um on the track and cross country, you know, raced fifteen hundred, five thousand, ten thousand meters on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did 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 well. Um kind of career seemed to uh be uh, her, her track career kind of seemed to be sort of coming to an end around twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. And now she's sort of emerged as a as a as a trail runner. So she's now competing at races like Mopsar. Uh she, she did the Tarawera 50K. And um and I I was sort of saying to her, you know, there's often a process that you see with an athlete, they'll stop racing on the track, they'll go onto the roads, so do half marathons, marathons, and then maybe maybe they'll then move on to the longer stuff on the trails. And she skipped the road bit. It was down to sort of injuries and, and the fact that she thought that she needed a completely different kind of way, way of competing, not hammering this particular sort of injury on the roads instead of the track. It would have been a sort of net same result. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting how she was talking about trail running being a different sport yeah. to certainly to track. Like she was saying about things like um, she's having to learn how to run downhill. Yeah, I was like, that's brilliant. That's and you, you know, so so I think it's interesting how actually, and she's quite a, quite an elite level. Like she's sort of po- getting on the podium already at, at trail races with quite a, quite a quite a good level of competition. Um, but but there's a very different sport for her. She was like, I, I was asking her, what do you bring from track and field into trail running, and she was like, well. Apart from the mindset, you know, the sort of ability to bury myself in the pain cave, not much because <laughs> it's so different. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting kind of idea as well, isn't it? That, that you can't, that, that, that whilst we consider running to be like a continuum, actually there's almost like quite distinct parts to it.
0: Um, yeah. I'm glad we're talking about this because this is the most interesting part of it to me. Um it is they are different sports. I mean, racing on the track as much as it looks similar to racing on the roads, it's a different sport, it's a different environment, it's a different culture. Same goes from like road to t- trail and even shorter trail to ultra. I mean, the skills that you need to bring to the start line in order to have success aren't a direct translation i mean and we see it i mean an an easy one to look at in recent years is fast marathoners who move on to the trails because as we both know not all trail races are created equal so there's a difference (laughs) going from you know something that is a relatively quick 50k like way too cool here in california to the speed goat 50k in utah i mean the winning time for men at the former is 305 it's a long marathon on trails in a lot of ways you go to speed goat the lead runner, I mean Killian Jornet, best in the world. I, I don't know off the top of my head what his course record is, but it's somewhere over like five hours. Um yeah, you know, yeah. type of thing. So, you know, it is a different sport just in terms of the skills that you need to be successful. Like, yeah, that fitness is a is is a great tool, but there's a technical aspect of it too that um just takes time, you know, to work on and you know and improve. And and you can do that. And I think that's some of the appeal, you know, for for some people. Um but this is this is like kind of a good segue because I I do think like they are different sports. I say this to my athletes all the time, especially when they're dabbling in something new. I'm like, look, this is a different sport in many ways. And, you know, you, you see like trail athletes, ultra athletes who move down um, to the marathon or even if it's like a more runnable trail race or ultra than they're used to like, oh. I can't I can't walk. Uh it's like it's like nope, it's like it's too much running, you know, that that type of race. Like even just that mentality is like, oh, okay, like I've got to work on my running skills rather than just like you know, my hiking and ability to move through that type of terrain. Um, so they are different sports, but like the thing that like kind of perplexes me sometimes, and I think where I've I've separated myself a little bit in my own work through the the morning shakeout, and even the way that I coach. I mean, you know, if you look at my roster of athletes, I've got you know some of the top trail and ultra athletes in the world. I've got Olympic trials level marathoners. I've got age group athletes who are going to run cross country in the fall or maybe train for you know a Boston qualifier because I I love it all. You know, and I've experienced it all myself as as an athlete and a coach. And like in terms of, uh and here's what I'm getting at: like the content that I consume, I I'm just as interested in what's happening in the trail and ultra world as I am in track and field. But that is not most people who would consider themselves under the umbrella of of running. And this brings it back to what we we're talking about at the beginning: the trail runner, the ultra runner, the the track athlete, you know, the the road runner. Um, you know, and and we both work in the the media space. This is what you do a great job with. In like the wind is, you'll have a a cover of UTMB. An artist does. Uh, is commissioned to do a piece of, you know, the athletes making their way around UTMB. And you'll do big features around that. You'll have a big, you know, you'll have a big party there, but then you'll also have an activation at the London Marathon, or you'll have a photo gallery from David Brissetti of, I think he did, was it pen Relays, if I'm not mistaken, a few a few years ago. And yeah. as far as like media goes, that I mean, that's actually pretty unique because most even media tends to, really segment themselves to a specific portion of the population and doesn't really pay much attention to what's happening outside of it. I mean, some of it's right in the title, trail runner magazine, ultra runner magazine, um, free trail. Um, you've got Sidious mag, um, track and field news. It's very clear. Like what that, what that is, let's com. I mean, they t- they kind of do a little of, of everything, but they're mostly focused on, you know, track and road racing. And occasionally they'll put a headline in from, you know, the, the ultra world. And I I've just always like thought about, you know, I'm rambling here, but I've just kind of always thought about like, okay, these are like different sports, but they're also in the, you know, in the media too. And in coaching, like treated as, you know, as different sports and those of us who, who don't, who just treat it all as running. Like I said, I'm like a runner. Um, like I, I do all these races, I run in all these different environments. I mean, we're definitely in the, in the minority as far as that goes. Most people are kind of focused on, on one thing, and that's where they put all their attention and energy
2: yeah I mean the thing about like the wind is and I say this I'm not entirely sure it's true, but I say it um it for me the the terrain underfoot the distance the time is irrelevant we we're, we're trying to explore you know why people run it's the shorthand version but you know the cu- culture of running and I've spoken to people and they've told me a story and I'm like i could i could I could change all of the details of this story that you've just told me mm-hmm. from what you've from the hundred miler that you did in the in the Rockies, I could change all the details and make it a half marathon in Berlin. And the story would remain the same because what we're talking about is culture, you know, mindset, how what people think about. So so we we sort of feel like we can draw a yeah a line between. But it's interesting what you're saying about um you know, when I did my first proper ultra, which is the CCCs, one of the UTMB races, it's like 105k. I'd sort of come off the back of being reasonably fit for road, road road marathons. You know, I'd, I'd sort of run my PB a couple of years before, and I'd retained some fitness. But I was like, I've got to work out how a how to carry all this shit. Yeah. B, what you do with poles, how to eat. And how to stay awake for eighteen hours? Like I was like, this is a different sport. I, there's elements to this that I just cannot figure out. Yeah, how do you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner during a race when I'm used to kind of starting, starting, you know, before breakfast and finishing before lunch?
0: Well, and that and that's where you'll have true road runners or track athletes look at that, and it's so foreign. They're like, well, that's not running uh you know and and they just shut it down completely and i mean i think this is why you and i get on so well because i do the same thing through my work it's like let me try and and just show people that yes even though these are very different sports in many ways there are common threads that go through all of them i mean you said it beautifully take a story about an ultra and replace it with half marathon or 100 meter track race you you wouldn't know the difference it's a lot of the same Emotions, the same process, um, the same relationship. I mean, everyone's relationship to the thing is a little bit different, but you know, there are people who feel a connection to sprinting the same way someone feels a connection to running through the mountains. I mean, it opens their eyes to possibility, it introduces them to like minded people, it helps them explore something inside of. Themselves. I mean, that's that's all the same. I mean, that's in my podcast over the last five and a half years. I mean, the diversity of the conversations that I've had with, you know, everyone from Killian Journey to you know yourself to coaches like you know Diljit Taylor, um, Frank Gagliano. Like thinking about athletes like Scott Jurek, but Dina Castor. I mean, all, all over the map. And I mean, the whole point is to show people like we actually yes, there are differences between these sports, but we have more in common than we do. Different. And I just want more people to pay more attention to, you know, more things. And I think that's going to create just a much more cohesive, supportive, and, and interesting
2: running community as a whole. Yeah. I one of the things I actually love, always loved about the Monish Shakeout podcast is is how you get underneath the, you get you you get beyond the thing, the the, the what have you done? You get into the you, your, your interviewing skill is brilliant. I mean, I remember sat in the audience in when you did the live interview with Jake Whiteman, who was, like, fresh off his, uh, you know, winning the the 1500 metres of the world champs. And it, you covered that bit of him and his career in a relatively short amount of time. And the whole rest of the conversation was just brilliant. It was just about running. It was about you know somebody who's put running at the center of their life and and yeah i literally could have if i you know if i'd kind of closed my eyes you could have been talking to an ultra marathon or a sprinter or you know that's that's the that's that's where the, that's where we we transcend it but, right you, you know but that's what you do you with get,
0: like the wind as well i mean your tagline is why we run
2: yeah, um yeah. and
0: and i i do think i mean everyone has their own reasons and and differences but if you were to zoom out and kind of look at look at all of that i mean it's just there's so much more in common than there is different there
2: but there are differences and i was thinking about this you know in preparation for this call i was like but there are i, I remember reading a book a few years back about the sort of the fell running scene mm-hmm. and there were people like going these some of these fell runners doing bob Graham round you know bob Graham round is is i always forget the details but it's you know you supposed to go around this enormous amount of um Climbing and descending on these fells um in under twenty four hours, and there were some amazing athletes that were doing incredible stuff sort of back in the eighties and nineties but they there were these sort of mini experiments where they'd like drag them out of the fells and down to London to run the London marathon they were, they have a horrible time they'd absolutely like this like, I hate it, I don't want to do it it's painful it's like um or you know, you mentioned Killian. Um, he, he attempted a 24 hour track race, didn't he? And I think he did he raced a he road
0: did. 10K in Norway at one point and got his got his ass whooped. I mean, and he still ran 29 <laughs> minutes. But it's like here's the, like ar- like inarguably the greatest mountain athlete of of all time. And I mean, he has said in interviews, he feels more comfortable on a knife edge ridge than he does walking down a sidewalk in LA. And he shows up and he loses by, you know, almost two minutes to some, some other athletes, but you know, he threw himself in that environment.
2: Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, but I, like I loved it. I know. It's great. It's great. And I mean, and, and, and I guess, I mean, he seems to be certainly somebody that's sort of up for testing, you know, testing yes. himself in, in, in many different ways. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily surprise me, but I think that, 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 before that race, there would have been quite a lot of people who would have said, Well, just his engine, his his sort of cardiovascular ability means that he, he's going to just do something incredible because, and in a funny sort of way, you think racing on, I sometimes think, well, racing on the roads eliminates all of the ankle twisting, watching yep. where you're going, ducking the tree branches. The technical stuff. aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got a big engine, and you can run fast on the trails. Put somebody on a flat. This, this is what I came back from Kenya with. So I had this experience of following athletes from the NN team, including Elliot Kipchoge and Joffrey and, and Konwaro and Faith kip gone. They were going out on a run on a Thursday morning. Got there before the sun rose. The athletes came out of the camp. The journalists that were on this trip climbed in a minibus. And they ran a course that they call the Boston course which is hilly, basically. That's why they call it the Boston route. Um, But it's, you know, six o'clock in the morning, sun's just coming up. None of them have eaten anything, not even a cup of coffee, nothing. A sip of water, maybe. We're at 2,700 metres above sea level. So what's that, like 7,500 feet above sea level? 8,000 feet above sea level on what can only be described as a track, like a track, a trail, like, like proper rocky. It's just, it's dirt just studded with rocks, really hilly. And these guys ran 40 kilometers in two hours and 20 minutes. I mean, it was astonishing. And the thing that I took away from it was like, if you bring these people down to sea level, you put them on a flat, smooth surface, they're just going to, well, they're going to run 202. I mean, that's, this is it's like, it's like you remove all of that sort of um, technicality and, you know, lack of oxygen. And and that's and that's sort of, um, you know, that's why they're so good on the roads.
0: Yeah, But then the
2: converse doesn't seem to be true. You take no. a and put him on a flat yeah. 10K. Well, well, no, but I'd,
0: I'd also push back against that if you went the other way, right? If you took Kipchoge or Camel War, I mean, you know, arguably two of the greatest marathoners in the world, one of them of all all time. But you sent them to Mammoth, California, for the Mammoth Trail Fest, and put them in the 26k that climbs up to 11,000 feet and then bombs down the mountain and traverses some technical terrain, goes over some—I uh, don't, I don't think it's lava, but shale rock—you um, know that type of stuff. I—I I guarantee you, they would get smoked by guys who are ten, if not twenty, minutes slower than them in the marathon yeah you know um so it's just it, it it is interesting like there is some overlap i mean that's a that's like a tough environment and i mean i'm sure you know you were struggling up there just in that type of terrain i mean not that you're like a world-class athlete but it's like it's tough running my point being like it's oh, tough man. my my point being like it's tough running but like if you'd spent a few months up there and got comfortable in that environment i mean and then you drop down to sea level like you would be you know you'd be ripping a marathon
2: you know uh um, yes yeah, sad sadly sadly, my five days uh at altitude enough. hasn't 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 had the effect that I was hoping for yeah yeah, yeah it was a hell of an experience yeah so um i i I don't know how long we've we've got before we we wrap up I wanted to kind of start i i I had a question for you, sure maybe I'm um, maybe I now have a better idea of what you're going to answer just based on this conversation, but you know, this desert Island discs thing where you, where you, this radio show in the UK where you're, you're, you're supposed to be abandoned on a desert Island with 10 records that you can listen to for the rest of your life. Okay. And, uh, but at the end of the show, they always say, right. So, but if you could only rescue one of these 10 records, which one would you rescue? If you were told, you can only race one (laughs) you know what i'm gonna ask you can only race one uh subsect subset of running like what would you what would you pick this is me personally yeah cross country oh really oh oh wow i saw you did it in the latest newsletter you talked about the cross country season you mentioned I, something about that. I
0: got back into it last fall and I'm going to race again this year and cross country is another one because Oh I wasn't expecting your, that Your friends in Great Britain would say what we do here in America is not cross country it's too <laughs> no, you
2: know, it's too tailored it's too groomed <laughs> Yeah it's too exact
0: whereas you go over to the UK, anywhere in Europe, really. They're like, okay, uh, we've got this loop around the park. It's maybe it's one point eight k, maybe it's two point one, but we're gonna go around it four times. And there's a few hay bales, and there's some mud. Sl-. Like it's, but regardless, I would I would do cross country, and I'll I'll tell you why. One, it is where I got my start in the sport. I started running cross country yeah. as I talked about earlier in this conversation to get in shape for basketball. So it'll always have a special place in my heart for that. But In the 25 years since that I've been involved in running, and I've raced everything from 100 meters on the track to 50 miles on the trails and and everything in between, it is happy mediums, maybe not the right word, but it's kind of the best of all worlds because it's not an ultra distance. I mean, they're usually 8K, 10K. um, So it requires this blend of speed and endurance. It's not on a flat track, but it's also... More often than not, not on this you know mountainous course. It's honest terrain, but off road. Usually off you know off road, and it can be a mix of grass and dirt and and gravel. You can throw hay bales in there, like you know that sort of thing. So so there's that interesting element, and it's just pure racing. I mean, you know your your 10k cross country time or 9.4k cross country time, like it doesn't matter. You're just in it racing, and and for me. Those are all the things that I love about running. There's challenging terrain. You're competing against other people. You need to have speed, but you also have to be strong. It's, it's you against other people, but it's also you against nature. And I, I just, I love cross country. So that would be my desert island response,
2: if all we could do. That's and amazing. and on a desert
0: oh, island, I think you could have a pretty great cross country course,
2: quite honestly. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Could be, uh it would be like a like a british cross country just be like loops five five loops of the that's, island that's that's fine get, i would i would take that get a coconut at the end <laughs> i'm surprised i
0: <laughs> i didn't expect that i've got to throw it back at you i mean i have a hunch of what you're going to answer based on what you said earlier in this conversation but maybe you'll surprise me
2: no i won't the, the, the reality is if, if 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 i could if i could snap my fingers and and somehow be less old and less overweight it's always going to be a road marathon sure and i've tried loads of other I've, I've done you know i've had the opportunity to race you know some amazing trail races and i and i liked them well enough like they were great experiences never never ever forget racing the ccc it poured rain it was blazing hot when we started for the first four hours and then 14 hours of deluge and i was having a great time I oh, thought it was brilliant and you see the sun go down and come up and if you're really bad at it, go down again. Um <laughs> But I didn't, I kind of got to the end. I thought, like, oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah. You know, amazing. Yeah. Fine. But, um, racing a road marathon. I mean, we've talked about this. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be going to Valencia. I am going to Valencia in December. Um, and I really need to kind of pull my finger out and get on with some training. But, um, I love it. I love. I love the the sort of. I think it's possibly because I'm more selfish than I care to admit. I love the whole getting into your headspace, just ignoring everything else that's going on, and you're just trying to tick off each mile or kilometer in a set time, and uh, that sort of control freak thing of like, you know, I I know exactly what I do for every every kilometer or every mile. Yeah. Maybe the choice a
0: person would make in this situation <laughs> it says says more about them than just what
2: their favorite discipline is in running yeah I yeah i think you're a, i think you're a, you're a race you're a thoroughbred racer i love that you're like oh screw the watch i don't care about the time
0: that's it i, d- I like the inexactitude about it um the starts here the finish is first one first one there wins um it that i see i love the exactitude
2: of it like you just I, i'm like Twenty-six point two miles, you know, forty-two point one two five kilometers. It's so mathematical and precise. You know, you go through. I remember racing marathons and looking at my, you know, my watches. I went through a mile marker and be like, oh, I'm three seconds slow on that mile. I got to claw that back. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I, I would never have guessed what you said. I would have thought you were going to say Boston Marathon, given the hats that we we're both wearing. We both are
0: wearing. Boston Red Sox hats, but Red Sox hats, uh, representative of my hometown, fine city of Boston, Massachusetts. But I do have a special place in my heart for the Boston Marathon. But if I was down to choosing one race, that would not be it. I would race cross country on the deserted island,
2: five laps. Brilliant, brilliant. So I think I've loved this again—a brilliant conversation. I think that um, what my takeaway from this is. Um. I get, I get so much out of these conversations, by the way. It's kind of selfish too. of me to just be like, yeah, but I, I get stuff that I can use in my life. <laughs> um, I think that, that your suggestion that people should mix it up a bit is brilliant. Like we, I guess what we're saying is you can define yourself as a, I'm primarily a marathon or I'm primarily a trail runner or an ultra marathon or whatever. But, um, we shouldn't, we shouldn't let that limit us in terms of what we do even competitively, but certainly from a training perspective.
0: Yeah. And the communities that we embed ourselves in. So I would say, however you identify yourself as a runner, it's just having an awareness that there's so much more out there. Running is so much more than the marathon. It's so much more than track. It's so much more than trails. It's so much more than ultras. And I think you can really enrich your experience by exploring those things. Whether you do it competitively as an athlete and switch up your training every once in a while, or just pay attention to different aspects of the sport. You know, watch the World Championships this summer. Watch the UTMB live feed if you're someone who identifies as a track athlete. Check it out and see see what it's all about, see what you can take away from it, find those commonalities, be inspired by the athletes, by the environment, just by the pursuit of it all
2: nothing to add. Fantastic. Thanks, Mario.
0: Thanks, Simon. This is fun. I look forward to doing it again in a few months. All right. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. If you could, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into this from. It means a lot to me, and it helps new listeners to discover the show. Also, a big thank you to my annual partners, Tracksmith, New Balance, Precision Fuel and Hydration, and Gooder for making it possible. Check out themorningshakeout.com slash partners to take advantage of some of the discount codes and special offers that are available exclusively to readers and listeners of The Morning Shakeout. Before we go, I'd like to give a couple more quick shout-outs. The first to John Summerford, who has edited and produced every episode of the podcast since we launched it in late 2017. He's the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. The second goes to Chris Douglas, who is my right hand man and helps manage partner relationships. And last but not least, Nicole Bush, who gives me a hand with social media content strategy and creation, and is my co-host for Training Talk Thursday, which you can tune into on Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Morning Shakeouts Instagram account, which you can find at the AM Shakeout. And that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast.